Welcome to Knowledgeable Aging. I'm your host, Jason Kotar. Joining us today to talk about lifelong creativity, the pursuit of meaningful art experiences is Kaylee Massey. Kaylee is a Canadian-born artist and founder of the company Artful Aging. Artful Aging provides older adult communities and operators with online access to art programs that promote social connectivity, lifelong learning, and creative expression. Kaylee has been developing and implementing person-centered art programs in communities for over a decade. Her work focuses on improving access to high-quality art programs and overcoming barriers to participation. How are you doing today, Kaylee? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for thank you for joining us today. I'm looking forward to this one. Before we get started, a little bit of housekeeping. For those that are joining us today for the live webinar, type those questions in. Time permitting, we will do everything in our power to get those questions answered. Kaylee, I'd like to start off with if someone doesn't identify as creative in the first place, how do you build creative confidence? So I think first, so I've taught a lot of workshops myself and every time I go into a workshop, I'll start out and I'll ask people, do you think you're creative? And I find that people fall into one of two categories. First, either, yeah, I'm creative, I like to do art, I like music, things like that. Or they fall into the second category, which is, no, I'm not creative, I can't even draw a stick man. So there's this common misconception that being artistically talented or skilled is the same as being creative. So I think if people understand the definition of creativity, which is the translation of a new idea into something tangible or experiential, um, if they understand that, what creativity is, then they'll realize that everybody is really innately creative. So I think that's kind of the first piece of it. And then once they can identify as creative, then they can build upon that. And there's lots of ways in which of doing that, but the way that I kind of um, focus on is through art making. I'd like to talk about inspiration. So if I want to make or, or create for that matter, how do I begin to find inspiration for a project that I want to work on? So there's lots of ways which, in which you can find inspiration. You can, some people will, uh, a lot of people, what I find is really helpful and I've, I've encouraged a lot of people to do this is they will write down an idea if they have um, an ongoing journal and then they can start to kind of uh, put together some different ideas and then they can revert back to that journal when they're in need of some inspiration. And sometimes too, you'll find that when you're writing ideas down continuously that there is a common thread throughout. So you'll notice that um, maybe that's something that you should explore further and you can take that idea and turn it into an art project. There's lots of other ways you could do it. You could um, use stories from your family members. You could, a lot of people like to better understand an experience they've gone through and they use art as a way of understanding an event or better understanding themselves. So once people identify as creative and then they, they, they are feeling like they can open themselves up to creative opportunities, then if they start pursuing things, especially like art, where there is no right and wrong, you can um, create without judgment, then 
you're able to kind of tap into that creative side. And it's like anything else, the more you do it, the better you're gonna get at it. So if you're continuously tapping into uh, that creative inner, inner creative person, then you're gonna be able to access that much easier each time you go back to it. I'd like to get a better understanding about quality of life. How can your expression, your your art expression improve your quality of a life? So there was a a study done by a gentleman, a gentleman named Dr. Gene Cohen. It was done in, I think it was 2006, and it was called the Creativity and Aging Study. And this has been referenced quite a bit, especially in the creative aging world. So the study followed several participants as they started attending consistent art programs. And they found that people who attended consistent art programs, these people were, I think, over the age of 65. Um, so as they followed them attending these consistent art programs, they noticed that they had fewer doctor's visits, they had lowered stress, they had their moods improved, their confidence improved, they were instilled with a sense of pride in what they were doing. And a big one was that they had um, a sense of mastery when they were creating. And this study followed people, I believe, in visual arts, dance, and music. So it was kind of across um, multiple disciplinaries. But really, the, the idea is that when people are, especially in a shared art experience, when they're participating in them, they can take so many different benefits from it. So for like with artful programs, the three main benefits for people are social. They, they come for, they want to connect with their peers. They want to build relationships. And it's a, it's a positive way to combat social isolation. When people are attending a program on a weekly or daily basis, then they're starting to build community and deep connections with their, their peers. And then the second um, major benefit of the programs is people are able to develop skills. So people can, what while they're pursuing an art program, they can learn new techniques. They can discover art, artists from art history and, and, and kind of pursue a lifelong learning route. And then a third major benefit is they are able to express themselves. So they, somebody can, communicate ideas and feelings through their art. And I think that is a really, that's kind of the key to all art programs, is it's a vehicle for self-expression. And all of those components have a major ripple effect in people's lives outside of the art programs. So for example, we I was working with um, one woman who was legally blind and she started attending these art programs. She was very apprehensive at first, but she started attending the programs and she started making absolutely stunning art. And 
when she first started attending the program, she had was lacking some confidence and was a little unsure of herself. But then as she continued to come to the programs and develop her skills and, and gain that creative confidence, she was ecstatic to show off her artwork to her family and we showcased it in a gallery and she left with this renewed sense of self and she carried that with her to the dining table after the art program where she engaged with other residents and and just really um yeah it had this amazing incredible ripple effect in her life you've you've worked with the aging population I wonder if you can talk about maybe some of the expect not the, what you learned kind of in your years going through what you learned about our aging population as it pertains to this this art expression. Well, I think the the thing that I've mostly really learned is that everybody is an individual. Nobody, there's no one right answer. There's no one type of program that's going to suit every single person. The older population is just like you or I, it's just like anybody else. Everyone's an individual and has their own route that they want to take. Um, and specifically with art, it's not for everybody, but I, I believe that there, there is a way for everyone to, to benefit from it if they open themselves up to the experience. So I think that's what I've, the main thing that I've learned is everybody should be treated like an individual. And if you create programs that, that provide that person-centered approach, they're more likely to be a lot more successful and reach a broader audience. So if, if we can, can dive into maybe pre-COVID, what did the creative programming look like at these older adult communities? So, Last year, this time was a very different time for everybody. Um, a lot of art programs consisted of having outside contract artists coming into communities and providing programs that was based on their skill set to usually groups of five to 15. And because of everything that's happened, um, a lot of communities are not allowed to have outside contract artists coming in. So that's been a huge change for people and it's actually created kind of a, a gap in programming at the moment. So I think where programming is going is it's moving towards more virtual programming. So people are going to be offering video tutorials, they're going to be um, either whether it's live or whether it's pre-recorded videos. I think that's where a lot of programming is going. Art, fitness, all kinds of programming. Um, but I, I still think that there's definitely a need for that in-person programming because I think there's a lot of benefits to connecting with the person, the facilitator and the participants. Correct me if I'm wrong, Kaylee. Uh, I'm just curious. So when I think of fitness, I, I think people can get their workout in via the online platform. But isn't, am I correct? Isn't something missing when you're talking about art being just a visual thing? You said it's more of a, it's a connection, right? 
Hmm. I think that, well, it's, it's, it's tricky. It's better than, I think, a video program is not the answer for all art programming. I just think okay. it's a, it, it's to kind of fill in the gap because it's better than nothing, right? I think if there's a huge absence of art programming, I think a video tutorial program would fill that void slightly, but I think you're right. I think that the connection, the in-person, there's a lot of value to that as well. But I think, the, the idea behind some art programming is that you're looking to inspire the participant. You're not necessarily looking to show them exactly these steps you have to follow along. You're looking to kind of give them some, some guidance and some support, and they're going to kind of take it and make it their own regardless. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. I was just curious if maybe you could expound on that. You know, it's like you said, is you're not telling them what to do. You're kind of giving them the keys of which they're going to take the car and they're going to drive it um, the way that, that they're inspired to do. Yeah, and, and that's the beauty of art is everybody has, it's all individually interpreted. So everybody, even if you gave, so I've done tons of uh, programs where they're step by step just to, to be supportive for everybody and kind of give people some guidance. And you give everyone the same amount of materials, the same paints, the same steps, but everyone's artwork looks different. So no matter how hard someone may try, they're going to put their own spin on it and they're going to make it their own. And I think that's a, that's a good thing. I think when people start to veer off the instructional path and really make it their own, that's when um, really valuable moments of creativity happen. So obviously COVID, nobody saw this coming. So you had mentioned that we're gonna start down the virtual path. Can you talk a little bit more about once we eventually get out of this, where do you see the communities then saying when it comes to to their residents, when it comes to art? Or do you think they'll bring somebody back in on a little bit more regular basis or is it mostly virtual? Where do you, what do you foresee kind of you know, as you look down the road? I think I see a combination of both. I think that there, there should be both. I think like we talked about that connection is really important, that in-person connection. The, the unique thing about some older adult communities is some communities go into outbreak scenarios every year. So some of the communities that I work with, and not a lot of people know about this, so some communities that I work with, um, especially in long-term care and assisted living, they will have to isolate residents um, on a yearly basis for a week or two if there's a flu outbreak. And in those times, they can't have outside contract um, artists or, or facilitators coming in. So that's where video programming will be useful on an annual basis, even post COVID. So there's definitely a space for that. But again, I think having that human connection, having people come in, experts come in and run programs should not be replaced completely. What about interactive video? Will that have a place? Yep. So we've been doing some live um, art tutorials, which are a nice kind of um, middle ground between the two. 
options because you can see real time what people are creating. You can have conversations about their work. You can provide people with some feedback and some person-centered guidance. Uh, guidance. But uh, yeah, I think I, I think that will definitely be a direction that people will move into as well. Is this an area that your company focuses on? We focus mostly on um, virtual programs. So programs that are either already developed, so recorded videos, or programs that can be facilitated by in-house staff. How can a community Im improve their creative culture? So there's lots of ways in which communities can improve their creative culture and enhance, um, enhance their overall creative culture. And some of the ways in which we are doing this with communities right now, and I've seen other people do this, is when, if, if residents are starting to create artwork, just hanging them up in the building. By doing that, you're taking the art experience and you're putting it out into the greater community. It creates conversation amongst people living there. Uh, I've seen a lot of people who will take their family in and show off what they've, what they've made that may be in a lobby or in a hallway. And it also just makes the home more cozy and homelike because most people's homes are filled with art. So why not fill it with art that's been made by the people who live there? Uh, that's one way of doing it. Some communities we've encouraged to uh, partner with outside um, like public groups, like libraries and other spaces where they can have an art show to showcase resident artwork. You could have a feature an artist, a resident artist in your monthly calendar or your newsletter. And another great way to bring an intergenerational component would be to have outside um, maybe kids from a high school looking to get their volunteer hours come in and either teach an art program or work alongside a resident and create art with them. And I think intergenerational programming is really incredible and, and can be extremely rich for everybody involved. So those are just kind of the, the three off the top of my head, but there's, there's lots of different ways. I'd like to take a step back if you don't mind. So let's get into, you've got somebody that is just now learning how to you know, be creative. Would you say it's important for them to look and think what to kind of get a feel what other people think of their creativity or is it you just trying to please yourself? Is, is there a balance or is it just what I think? I think that it's good to have some peer review, some okay. some discussion around your art because that's where you can everybody has their own perspective on what something should look like, what something should become. But if you get some outside perspectives, it will allow you to see what other possibilities there are. So for example, if um, some groups that we've worked with will have kind of an art critique, we're not actually looking to judge people's art, we're just looking to talk about it. So people will sit with their artworks and they will show them to their peers and we'll talk about them. And you'll notice some people see different things in an artwork. Some people 
um, may think the mood is different or, and I think that feedback can be really helpful for the, the artist who made it uh, as they kind of progress through their practice and develop their, their skills and, and their own artistic voice. So Kaylee, I'd like to talk a little bit more about multiple entry point programming. Can you go into the details on how this is beneficial? So whenever I'm developing a program, I first want to think about why would somebody want to participate in a program? What is the enticing factors? What motivates them? And each reason for somebody attending a program is an entry point into that program. So for example, there are three overarching entry points into an artful program. The first one is social. People will attend a program because they're looking to develop relationships with their peers and connect with staff members and really have a meaningful shared art experience. So that's kind of that's one of the, the main ones that people main reasons for people entering a program. The second entry point is people are looking to develop their skills. So they want to kind of pursue um, their practice a little further, or they'd like to master some techniques, um, but really they're looking to, to kind of pursue some lifelong learning opportunities. And then the third entry point, or the third reason for somebody attending a program is self-expression, creative expression. So they're looking to explore their creative side and experiment and and communicate ideas and, and feelings and they're looking to really just just better understand themselves. So those are kind of the three overarching entry points to artful programs. And when you identify those, then you can when you're developing a program, you can kind of incorporate them into the development process. For example, when I'm creating a program, I will have conversation starters and fun facts, and that will make it more social. That will create discussion amongst the group. And a lot of the reasons why people don't want to, uh, people get intimidated by an art program sometimes. So if you take away that intimidation factor and you you kind of po poise it as a, a social group gathering, then that will remove that intimidation barrier for people and and you'll reach a broader audience essentially. So by factoring in those elements at the beginning of the program development process, you'll be able to appeal to a really wide range of people. I'd like to talk, uh, I'd like to go into a little bit more detail on this multiple entry point programming, maybe pre and during COVID. What have you seen um, from this, this three-tier process? Well, the tricky thing is because a lot of people haven't been able to have group programming, it's really difficult to have that social component. So you can still have some discussion, um, whether it's virtual, if you're doing your, your programs virtually, 
but that social component is is really tricky part i think about the entire um, pandemic scenario the creative expression component is really important right now i think when people are facing adversity and they are trying to understand what they're going through and kind of outlet maybe feelings of frustration i think that's where art plays a really key role in being an outlet for for self-expression and it allows people to process maybe what they're going through and then as for the skill development portion of it i think now if, if people are confined to a, a small space art is a great way to kind of pass some time learning a new skill um yeah i think there's also a lot of art history involved in it too and a lot of our programs um so there's there's opportunities for people to learn uh while they're kind of stuck in a, in a certain space so when you're talking about expression of art and you're you're would you say that you deal with people differently based off of their age or not no okay no i think i think children i think you're going to deal with like small small children fairly differently because of their communication skills but i don't think as a whole you want to deal with a certain age group differently however i do think that individually it's the most successful art experiences will be ones that are tailored to the individual but not as a not you can't group everybody in, a, in an age group into one pocket of people right everybody's unique yeah. obviously right now we're in a with the pandemic going on what can you say to people now to be able to find their creative self on a daily basis well, I think people, for especially for people who, like we said, don't identify as creative, and so they just kind of push all that to the side. They don't want to do art. I always try to encourage people, just try it. Try to do some, a little doodle or drawing. Try, look at a photograph and try to copy it. It may look nothing like the photograph, but just have some fun with it and try it out. I think right now where people, it's more of a time for people to kind of reflect on what's going on. Art can be a really useful tool to, to do that. And it also can be a great distraction for people as well. So I, I, I just, I would love if people just open their mind up to the, the possibility of what art could be for them. And if they don't like it, that's, that's totally okay. But I think you'll never know unless unless you try it and explore that side of yourself. Right. Kaylee, I'd like to get into the topic of cognitive disorders. In your experiences, what have you seen as far as the impact of art and this expression on those with cognitive disorders? Well, art can art is a tool for many people it's it's a way for people to communicate so for example if somebody is experiencing cognitive decline and they're having trouble word finding or 
they're having trouble expressing themselves and communicating, art can act as an avenue for them for that. I've worked with a lot of different people who um, have Alzheimer's or different types of dementia, and I've seen people really flourish in an art program because there's no right or wrong, there's no judgment. Anything that you create is your own and you, it, it, nobody can nobody can fault you for anything that you, so there's no right or wrong. And, and I think there's a lot of fear involved when somebody may be experiencing cognitive decline that they're not gonna do something right, they're not gonna say something right. So in a space where they feel safe and like the, anything they say or do is, is okay. Um, art is an incredible tool for for people who may be experiencing cognitive decline. Yeah. Let's talk about caregivers. Um, caregivers and art expression, whether they're professional or personal, what does this do for them when it comes to their clients or loved ones, this, this art expression? What can you tell them? Well, Art is also, it, it can be very individual, but it also can be a great bonding kind of, it, a way to share an experience with a loved one. So if, if somebody does have a caregiver or is a caregiver, art can be a way to connect with, um, with that other person. So what I've done in the past and what I've, I've recommended to some caregivers who are taking care of a loved one is to create an artwork with them. So you're working together towards something. You don't need to talk during it. It can just be, you can put some music on and it can be a very relaxing and therapeutic experience for people. And yeah, I, I've seen that and seen that work really well to kind of create a deeper connection between a caregiver and a loved one. Very good. Well, thank you, Kaylee. Um, how can people find you? Uh, they could email me, um, cmassey at artfulaging.com. That's probably the best way to get in touch with me.